Matthew chapter number one this morning. Matthew chapter number one. Last week we began our sermon dealing with the two families that were most primarily affected at the time that Christ was given to the world. Matthew chapter number one, and we we covered how that the family that the book of Luke covers first was the family of Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. It was a miraculous birth. They were old and well stricken in years, and we considered how that John the Baptist's birth changed the world at that time. Also, we considered how the angel Gabriel was very busy at that time, going from Zacharias uh, to then talking. To Mary. Now, here, here's what we're going to do, sound men. Sound men, everybody, can I have everybody's attention? If we have any other of this going on, just shut the entire thing down. So, I mean, I'm sure I can talk loud enough for people to hear me. How many of you believe that I am loud enough for you to hear without any microphones at all? Okay. So, if we can get through this, of course we want people at home to be able to listen, but the main focus of our congregation is so that we can have service today, and uh, we, we will be working on these things to troubleshoot. But in Matthew chapter... Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to meet in your house. And Lord, we we humble ourselves in your presence, asking you for your blessing on this service. Lord, a great many people have come out to your house today wanting to receive a blessing. And Lord, as I pray, as we we preach your word, that you draw people to yourself, I pray that distractions would be kept to a minimum. And uh, Lord, I just pray that as we lift up Jesus and all that took place around this time, would you help our hearts to be thankful and grateful. Uh, for the great gift that you gave to this world in Jesus Christ. I pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We were considering these two families, the the families of Zacharias and Elizabeth and also of Joseph and Mary. And so in Matthew chapter number 1, and there are two books as we described last week, which have much to say about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the circumstances surrounding him. The, The books are Matthew and Luke. The book of Mark begins with the ministry of John the Baptist, which started at about 30 years old, and the same thing starts in the book of John. When you begin reading those Gospels, they basically skip over all of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the circumstances around it, and they jump straight into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot cover the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ without first covering the ministry of John the Baptist, because John the Baptist prepared the way for the Lord. He made his paths straight. The Bible said that John the Baptist prepared a people that was going to be prepared for the Lord. And so in Matthew chapter number 1, we'll begin our reading in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man... And not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So the Bible specifically declares in verse number 18 
that Mary was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost before Joseph and Mary came together. In another passage, it, well, later in this passage, it says that which is conceived of her in her was of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. It was a miraculous birth. He had no earthly father. Thank you. When someone says amen, they say, hey, I believe that strongly. As a Bible believer, you cannot say you believe the Bible and then deny the virgin birth. Jesus Christ was not a product of Joseph and Mary. He was a product of the Holy Ghost. And this was the only time in the world that there was a, a, a virgin who bore a son. There were no other virgin births. They may have been claimed, but they were not true and they were not accurate. Now, if you read this, there, you know, you could read right over some of the incidents that took place here. And there's a lot to be said about verse number 19. Verse number 19 declares that Joseph had some issues when he found out that Mary was expecting. The Bible doesn't say that he, how he found out that Mary was expecting. I, I, I take that Mary was a shy person. Either way, we have this common couple, Joseph, as a young man, he wanted to be married, which tells me that he is a common man. I want to say this in this generation, it's a very confused generation. If you are a man and you have a desire to have a companion and to have companionship, that is a natural and a holy desire that God implants inside of a man. It is not an unholy desire that God puts inside of a mankind. It's actually quite natural for a man to desire to have companionship from what we call a woman. So this is a common relationship. The reason they were engaged is because Joseph had a love for Mary and he wanted to be with her. He wanted her to be his wife. He wanted an exclusive relationship with Mary. He wasn't interested in sharing her with other people. He wasn't interested in having her say she was married to him while they had what in this generation they call an open relationship. There's no such thing when you come to the Bible. The Bible speaks of when people come together in marriage, the Bible says that marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Hebrews chapter 13 says that. That means God designed marriage. You know, God brought Eve to Adam. And when Adam saw Eve, he said, whoa, man, <laughs> she was beautiful. That's why she's named woman. And some of you didn't get the joke. It's a tough crowd. It's fine. I can handle it. I've seen, I've seen crowds, I've seen crowds uh, that don't laugh at my joke before. I was just at the nursing home this last week. I'm just joking, folks. But you know, marriage is a, it's an honorable desire. It's a holy desire. It's something that God puts inside the hearts of men. But in verse number 19, the Bible says when Mary was found to be with child before they came together, Joseph was minded to put her away privily. The word privily there means secretly. He wanted to divorce her. And by the way, in the Bible, when you're talking about a bill of divorcement, Jesus made some claims about divorce in the Bible. He said, only because of the hardness of your hearts 
was a divorce permitted. I believe if you study the scripture that this particular period of time, the espousal period, was when the divorce was permitted. When she was found to be with child and he thought she was unfaithful to him, then he was minded to put her away privily. Why? Because in his mind, he had not been with her. There's no way she should be pregnant because we haven't been together. So put yourself in the heart and the mind of Joseph, man, sir. You're engaged to be married. Did she start showing? The Bible doesn't say if Mary had a conversation with him. Maybe she did. Maybe she tried to explain to Joseph, and Joseph said, well, that's kind of unbelievable. You know, has anybody ever told you something that wasn't true? Maybe she didn't say a word to him and just trusted that God would talk to him. The Bible doesn't say how he was communicated with, but when he found out that she was with child, the Bible says that he was minded. He was, he was thinking about it. The Bible says in verse 19, he wasn't willing to make her a public example. He wasn't trying to humiliate her. The Bible says he was minded to put her away privily. Some of us have a mind, right? We're making up our mind on something. We're thinking something over, and we have a mind to do something. You know what this story tells me about Joseph? He was somebody who was willing to listen to the Lord. And that's what our families need, men. They need men who are willing to listen to the Lord and put away their own mind and their own thoughts sometimes. You say, what do you mean, put away my mind? Sometimes the way you think isn't the way you're supposed to act. Just because you're minded to do something doesn't mean you ought to do it. I remind you, the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I remind you that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and what? Lean not unto thine own understanding. Say, some men's problems are, they think they know everything, and they're going to do exactly what they think. Then they take pride in it. I'm going to tell you something, you need the Lord in your family. Joseph needed the Lord, and he needed the Lord's direction. God's plan was not for him to put away Mary. Mary had done nothing wrong. So at this time, Joseph didn't have a completed Bible. And God sent an angel to him to communicate with him by a dream. And I'd like to say this, God does not need to communicate with you via dreams anymore. You have the Word of God. This is how God speaks to you. Some people who never open their Bible believe that God's speaking to them in dreams. I'm here to tell you that's not how God speaks to you anymore. You're not driving down the street and seeing a license plate and God spoke to you. God speaks to you through His Word. Say, well, I saw a billboard, or I saw this, or I, you know, sometimes, you know, dreams don't always come from God. (laughs) You ever had that dream where you were drowning? You ever had that dream where you thought you were dying, or somebody was taking your life, or, you know, maybe it's from some of your subconscious, or maybe it's from some things that you've seen or experienced in life, or I don't know where all dreams come from, but I could just tell you, God doesn't need to speak to a, from a dream to you anymore. He'll speak to you through His Word. God loves His Word. Joseph didn't have that, that Word at that time. The Word of God had not yet been penned, but the Bible tells us what took place here in verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
and she shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now the scripture declares that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. Now this is something I believe that the angel was communicating with Joseph. He continues telling Joseph, this is happening because this is a fulfillment of Scripture. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him Mary his wife, notice, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. There's a lot to be said about this, about this passage of Scripture. First of all, as you consider Joseph and Mary, they were religious people, they were a holy people. They were a set-apart people. Joseph was willing to set aside his own mind and his own thoughts and do what God told him to do. Now, there's a lot of things that are written about Mary in the Scripture. And I just want to remind you that today you're in a Baptist church. You say, what does that mean? That means that everything we preach or believe, it should be from the Bible. Should be from the Bible. When someone teaches things that are not in the Bible, we would call them a false teacher, false doctrine. And the Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is not the pillar and ground of anything that is false. So perhaps you have heard different things about Mary, and I just want to point some things out today, not to inflame anyone, not to make someone angry or to try to tick someone off because I have a bad attitude and think that's what we're supposed to do when you come to church is just make everybody angry and get as close to sandpaper as I can and if somebody has feelings on their shoulder do everything I can to knock off their feelings no that's not why we're doing this we teach on things to expose the truth and to expose error We don't preach against false doctrine because we hate people. We preach and teach against false doctrine to bring people into communication with what the Bible has to say about a subject. Now, the Bible says that Mary was a virgin when she had Christ. Verse 18, it says, before they came together. That means that a point in time in their marriage, they did come together. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. That means she didn't stay a virgin for the rest of her life. In fact, in other places in the gospel, it says that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Joseph and Mary had natural-born children. Now, to some people in some religions, this is a blasphemous comment that Mary was not a perpetual virgin. But that does not come from the Scriptures. Verse 18 declares, before they came together. And verse 25 says very plainly that Joseph didn't know her until after Jesus was born. So they came together in a relationship, a common marital relationship, and she had other children after Christ. But Christ's birth was a miraculous birth. Joseph was not Jesus' father. So it is clear from Scripture that Joseph and Mary had other children. And Jesus' birth was different from theirs. But this is what the Bible doesn't say about Mary. The Bible doesn't say that we should worship Mary. 
Mary is not an object of worship. In the book of Luke, in the second or the first chapter, when Mary began to praise God that he was choosing her to be the vessel that would bring forth his son, she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, notice, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Why would someone who saved us need a Savior? Mary needed a Savior. Just because she carried the Son of God did not mean that she didn't need the Son of God. She needed Jesus Christ. She was the vehicle that God used to bring Jesus into the world. The Bible also never says that we are supposed to pray to Mary. This is a humanistic way to think about something. You know, if you're going to get something from the son, you need to go through his mother. If you get on mom's good side, well, then she'll say something good to the son. This is all extra biblical thinking, and it doesn't come from the scripture. No one in the scripture ever prayed to Mary. Jesus himself didn't pray to Mary. There's some blasphemous teachings that certain churches teach where they still have Jesus hanging on a cross. And if you turn the cross around, there on the other side of the cross is Mary hanging on the other side of the cross. I just want to let you know this is a blasphemous thought. Jesus didn't need any help saving the world. Mary is not a co-redemptrix. You don't pray to Mary to get saved. In fact, the Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And I want to let you know right now that Satan doesn't like me teaching on these things because he wants people to remain in religious darkness. But the Bible says when there is preaching and the preaching of the Word of God, that that gives light to people's souls. So if you are raised believing this, all you need to do is just like any other thing that you learned that was false from your family. Reject, reject what is wrong and believe the truth. But mom and dad believed this and mom and dad could be wrong. Were your parents always right? Some of you who are parents are like, what's he saying? You trying to tell, you trying to tell me I was wrong? <laughs> there are some times in life when we have to learn better. Now, I do not mention that so as to hurt anyone, but I want to tell you, Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only person that we should be praying through. It says this in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, that God wants everyone to be saved, and that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He came down here. He could identify with anything you're going through in life. If you're hungry today, if you're sick today, if you're thirsty today, if you're going through rejection today, if you're going through heartache today, we have a Christ. We have a man who was born into this world who was tempted in all points like as we were, and yet he was without sin. Jesus conquered everything in this life. He knew what it would be like to be heartbroken. The Bible says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with there's no thing that you're going through even today that Jesus can't identify with. And so Jesus was born during this particular time. Now the Bible describes this violent time in which Christ was born. We live in a violent day. We've heard of different things that were going on uh, during... Well, this last week, I mean, if you were watching the news, there was a shooting at one of the colleges on the West Coast 
uh, I'm sure that you've been following the things that have been going on in Israel with uh, a war between Israel and Hamas and uh, people who've been slaughtered and killed. But I'm just here to tell you today, when Jesus was born, it was a pretty violent time. Now, some people, they believe that the wise men came to the, to the inn in Bethlehem where Christ was born. The Bible makes it clear in the book of Luke, if you want to flip over to the book of Luke, in the second chapter, how Jesus came into the world. These stories are kind of concurrent, but they're not written chronologically from Matthew and Luke. So in Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter number two, the Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this tax, taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And there's some very interesting things that were said in this passage of Scripture. And if you're reading so fast to where you're not thinking about it, perhaps you read over it and didn't think about it either. But the Bible here talks about Jesus or Joseph. He leaves out of Galilee and he goes into Bethlehem. The distance between Galilee and Bethlehem is about 70 miles, 70 or 90 miles, either one. I, I forget the, it's a long distance, and they didn't have cars back in those days. So if you can imagine getting on a donkey or a horse and traveling 70 miles in Israel through uh, some mountainous regions in order to get to this place, you can only imagine how difficult this journey was for a pregnant woman. A few weeks ago, I had appendicitis. And uh, I had a driver take me to the hospital because I needed to have my appendix removed. And every, every bump that we hit on the road was jarring my stomach. And I was in pain because they needed to take that thing out of me. <laughs> Can you imagine being great with child, taking a trip like this, ladies? Can you imagine the discomfort that she was going through? She'd never, you know, here's a virgin. She's with child. She's away from no doubt her family for the first time. She takes this long journey, but the Bible also calls Bethlehem the city of David. Now, this title in the scripture is normally just given to Jerusalem. Some 40 times in the Old Testament, Jerusalem is called the city of peace or the city of David. And sometimes some people have said that no other city in the Bible was ever called by that name until Luke's gospel. The Bible says here in verse number three, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, when you go back into the Old Testament and you look at some of the things that took place surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ and Bethlehem or that particular region of the world, you will, you will understand that this is a significant place. Now, if you flip, you hold your place here in Luke two and flip back to Matthew one again. Matthew chapter number 1. In Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says some really interesting things about the generations of Jesus Christ. The Bible was very particular about Christ's pedigree, how he was born, what lineage he was born to. It starts out in verse 1 of Matthew 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, 
the son of Abraham. Abraham, the father of the Jews, then it called him the son of David. It was the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. In verse 17, it tells you exactly how many generations there were between Abraham and David, and David and Jesus Christ. Verse 17 of the same passage, Matthew 1 and 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now if you go back, it talks about who Abraham begat, and this is the lineage of David. And you get around to... Uh, Chapter 1 and verse number 5 where it says that Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab. That's referring to the marriage between Rahab and Boaz. Or excuse me, Rahab and Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab. You remember who, who was Boaz married to? He was married to Ruth the Moabitess. And Ruth the Moabitess and Boaz had a baby whose name was Obed, I believe, if you go back to, uh, well, right here in verse number 5, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and then Obed begat Jesse, and then, of course, Jesse was the father of David the king. This is how Jesus Christ could be called the son of David. So the question is, how was Bethlehem called the city of David? I believe this was an effort to, for Jesus to establish himself as the true king of the Jews. You know, David's center of worship, we've been covering in 2 Samuel the last few weeks on Sunday nights, regarding how David even got to Jerusalem. The first several years he ruled in Hebron. He didn't rule from Jerusalem for the first seven and a half years of his reign. Then he got to Jerusalem. And by the time Jesus gets to Jerusalem, all the religious leaders of the day are so wicked and corrupt, they have absolutely nothing to do with Christ. And I believe that this whole deal about this is where Jesus' birth was from. This is where he, we could call Bethlehem the city of David. This is where Jesus came from. I believe this goes all the way back to the time where David was raised, and his family and his ancestors were raised. This little town of Bethlehem, where they came to during this taxing in Luke chapter number 2, was such a significant event in this world. Now, if you go back there to Luke chapter number 2, read along with me, where the Bible says in verse number 6, and so it was, Luke 2 and 6, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for Christ there. Can you imagine the coldness of the, of the people? I believe this man who owned this inn, it's a representative family of that time. It's a cold time. Men's love had waxed cold. Could you imagine somebody coming to your door? Do you think Joseph was just, you know, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? We're, we're on our way through. Uh, my, my wife's about to have a baby. No, no, no. He's probably racing around saying, somebody please help me. My wife is in labor. We need a place that we might be able to have the baby. If you were the innkeeper, wouldn't you say, okay, take my room? I got a warm place on the inside. No, this innkeeper said, go on out to the barn. 
You can be out there with the animals. Can you imagine the thoughts of Joseph, the, the horrifying nature of, you know, coming into town and there's no place to stay. And even Mary, as they brought her into that stable, she no doubt had thoughts of, can you believe this? Was, is this really where the Lord wanted this to take place? But it was because the baby was coming. And women know that when those labor pains come on, it's not long now. Sometimes children aren't born in a hospital. Sometimes they're born in the back of a vehicle or the front of a vehicle. Sometimes they're born on the front, in the front yard or in the house. The children don't tell you exactly when they're going to come, but when they come, they come. And so that, that's, where, that's what happened here. They went out in that barn, and they had Jesus. And the Bible says these shepherds, in verse number 8, And they were abiding in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, that you shepherds, this is your sign. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. God gave this earth goodwill, and he gave peace during a time of great violence, in a time where there were cold people and people who were concerned about what was going on with others. Jesus Christ came into this world in order to give a gift to all the families of the world. Back in Matthew chapter number uh, 2, where the Bible talks about this after Jesus Christ was born there came wise men from the east because they saw a star over there towards and they saw they said that was the star of the king of the Jews and they came traveling and they came traveling a great distance no the wise men didn't go to the inn they didn't go to the barn where Jesus was born at this point in time they didn't stay in that barn they went over to a house and in Matthew chapter number two the Bible says that these wise men came to Herod now you know who Herod was don't you Herod was ruling in this province where Jesus was born, and he was a Roman leader. He, 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 uh, he was someone who did not want any competition. He certainly didn't want to be overthrown by the king of the Jews. So when the wise men came and said, hey, where is this king of the Jews supposed to be born? You know, Herod was troubled. What do you mean? Are the Jews going to take over? Or are they going to overthrow me? Remember, I was in a play one time where, where we were displaying all this, and they had me play as Herod. Can you imagine me? Play? They said Herod was a very opulent man, and uh, they, they say that he would wear jewelry, and so they got me a bunch of Mr. T necklaces, and uh, they got me, a, they got me a, 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 you know, a crown to wear on my head, and they had jewelry for me, these big old rings that I was, I was wearing these, you know, wrappers, you know, they, they, they wear all these, you know, gold jewels and stuff like that, and I, and I said, I pity the fool. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say it. <laughs> no, but I, I was playing Herod that day, and, and uh, my line was to say, go and find the child so I may worship him. And then I was supposed to laugh like I was evil. <laughs> now, some of you don't think that was very funny, but I'm going to tell you something. When I played in that play, people were hysterically laughing just because of how I looked. Because it is not in my personality to wear jewelry. It is certainly not in my personality to wear a crown. But, you know, we made light of that. But here in Matthew 2, this wicked soul was going to take our Savior and kill him. 
And, now, and when the wise men didn't come back to him, when the wise men get to, to, to them, notice this. This is why he, the star appeared again. The star appeared when Jesus was being born in the stable, right? But the star appeared again to the wise men as they came to visit Christ. They came sometime later. The Bible says in verse number 11, when these wise men were coming to what? The house. They were in a house at this time. And then they saw the young child. He wasn't wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Ma- uh, uh, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. They fell down and they worshipped him and they gave to him gold and, 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 and frankincense and myrrh. Now you, know, you go over to Luke chapter number 2. Do you know what Mary and Joseph came in when they offered Jesus before the Lord in Jerusalem? When Jesus came to be circumcised of the eighth day, they brought two birds. Only those that were poor would bring birds. Everybody else would bring a lamb. Only those who couldn't afford a lamb were allowed to bring birds. Mary and Joseph were a very poor couple. But now they have gold and frankincense and myrrh. I believe that very gold that they gave and they offered to Jesus Christ was used by Joseph at that time to take Jesus and get on the run with him because God told him, you need to get out of there. In verse number, in Matthew chapter number 2, and verse number 13, and, uh, and oh, no, let's go to verse 12. These wise men were warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. Because remember, Herod wanted him to tell him where the child was so he could worship him, but he wanted to kill the child. And they departed in their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called by son. And we're going to close with this. It was a violent time when Jesus came to the world. The Bible says in verse 16, this wicked man, Herod, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he didn't get a chance to kill Jesus the way he wanted to. He was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time he had diligently inquired of the wise men. He said, every baby, every, can you imagine being a mama at this time and seeing the soldiers come riding into town, taking your baby and killing your child? Can you imagine the great crying that's going on? I want to tell you something. This world today hadn't gotten any better. It's gotten even worse. There's still violence today. There's still abuse going on today. I'm here to tell you Jesus was born as a gift to this old cold world. And he was willing to come to this world at this time and have the government upon his shoulder. The Bible talks about even this, where the women were weeping because their children were gone was prophesied about in Jeremiah in verse 18 it says in Ramah there was a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not and there in the next passage in the Bible it tells you how Joseph ended up happening back about Nazareth how that God warned him in a dream you need to get back to Israel after Herod was was dead and gone and even then uh, Joseph was scared about the, the, the young man uh, who, was, who was the son of Herod who was ruling in his father's room and I have no doubt he was thinking about staying in Egypt but God said it's time to go back and when he got back the Bible said in verse 23 and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Christ coming to the, to the world was a fulfillment of the scripture. He was a gift to you. I'll close with this. I want to say this. Jesus came. He was a gift. As a songwriter said, he was wrapped in a blanket. I may sing a song in the next week or two called, Where Else Would a Lamb Be Born? The, the songwriter said there was no, no stately house, no royal palace to prepare a royal birth. God's gift of love wrapped in a blanket. That's how he came to this earth. And it said a, a bed of straw became his cradle. Embracing God in human form, one would expect more than a stable. But where else would a lamb be born? Where else would a lamb be born? All the Jews knew what a lamb was. A lamb was used as a sacrifice. A lamb was used for bloodshed in the Old Testament. They would take the lamb. They would shed its blood. There were certain offerings and sacrifices where a priest had to literally catch the blood of a bleeding lamb and take that blood and sprinkle it around the, the altar to appease God. I want to tell you what Jesus was. He was your lamb. He was your spotless lamb. He came to the earth for you to pay for all of your sins on Calvary's cross. But the only way that you can have this gift of love is if you receive him by faith. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. You have to receive the gift of the gospel. You have to repent and believe the gospel, the Bible says. Believe the gospel. It's, it's something the Bible gives to us. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to believe that Jesus came for you, that his death was for you. Otherwise, that atoning blood, that all-sufficient sacrifice wasn't applied to your account. I wonder, is there somebody here today and you've never been saved by the good grace of God? Then I encourage you today during this Christmas season, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're saved today and you can say amen to these things that I believe in the virgin birth, I believe that Jesus was my Savior. I believe he was God's gift of love to me. Let's be like these wise men and bring our best to the Lord. God's not asking for our crumbs and our leftovers. He wants our very best. He wants us to love him with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our mind. If he was worthy of these wise men taking this great, great traveling with their great gifts and they saw Jesus and they bowed before him and willingly sacrificed to the Lord, let's put our very best on his altar this year too. As we come up to the end of 2023, we consider what God has done in our lives, in our family, in our church. Maybe the Lord wants more from us in this next year. Maybe we need to give God more. Whatever God's speaking to you about during this Christmas season, I encourage you to be obedient. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare to have this verse of invitation. Lord, we thank you for coming to this earth. And Lord, we thank you for being willing to suffer and die on, our, on the cross for our sins. I thank you for the story of this gift and these families who were so cooperative with you for Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. And then Joseph and Mary, Lord, what a wrestling match they must have had just trying to get through all these very difficult days. Lord, I pray that you'd use these services for your honor and glory. If there's someone here today who doesn't know you as Savior, I pray, Lord, that today might be that day. 
when they trust in you, Jesus Christ, to save them from their sins. And Father, I pray also that you'd be with us for those that are, say, Christians. Lord, if you're speaking to us about giving, giving more about this next year, Lord, I pray that you'd work in these services and work in the hearts of mankind. As we play this number, if God's spoken to your heart with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if, if God has spoken to you, I want to encourage you to come. Brother John's going to sing the first verse of this song alone. If God's spoken to you, won't you step out and come? O gentle Savior, hear my humble Maybe you need to come and pray for your family this year. Won't you come? Maybe you need to get saved if you're not saved. Won't you come? Let's all sing on verse number two. Let me add a throne of mercy. Find a sweet relief. Kneeling there much for being here today. May God bless you and your family this time of the year. Uh, don't forget, we'll have services tonight at six o'clock. We're uh, going through the books of Second uh, Samuel at this moment, and we just got into the time when David's house has been plunged into somewhat degradation. Uh, his uh, family is going through a lot of problems, and uh, we're just about to get into those chapters where we're going to be dealing with the difficult subjects of the, re the rebellion of Absalom and all the fallout that took place as a result of David uh, falling, stepping into a sinful situation. And God kind of took his hand off his life and family. And there was a lot that took place during these passages in the Bible. These, the, the Bible was written for our admonition. And I hope and pray if you're able to be back tonight, you'll be back for these uh, chapters. Uh, don't forget, uh, Wednesday night we'll be having...
our, our normal Wednesday night prayer and Bible study. But if you're coming to uh, the, uh, the banquet next Saturday, we're trying to prepare for how many people are going to be there. I'm not sure if there's a sign-up list in the back, but take your bulletin with you and remember uh, what date and time that is and come and participate with us. If you're not doing anything next Saturday, it'd be a good time for you to come and uh, put some chicken in the ministry and uh, whatever sides our people bring and some dessert. How many of you enjoy chicken, sides, and dessert? All right, well, we are Baptist after all. Uh, so we're looking forward to having a good time next week. And all those things that are in your bulletin, please uh, mark your calendar for that. All right. Well, since uh, Brother John left his phone on the stage today, I've read every text that he was uh, sent during the service. You might have noticed me taking his phone and turning it over. His wife was texting him during the middle of service. So I'll be asking them to, to come up and repent before... Uh, before this evening's service. Of course, I'm joking. Brother John, you come and dismiss us in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ, for sending him here to to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. We thank you so much for that, the salvation that you provided. Lord, we, we ask that you be with us today, this afternoon, bring us safely back tonight to hear more of your word and what you would have us to learn. Lord, have your perfect will in our lives. We love you. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.